All right, welcome to Censored News. Uh, welcome back for another episode of Censored News. Uh, we like to start every single episode with the vision of America Censored, which is to educate, equip, and mobilize we the people. What does that mean? That means we are doing our best to educate you with the news. What's going on? Is it everything from American politics to world politics? What's going on in our government? What's going on in our local government? We want to educate you and give you the information you need to make educated choices when going to the ballot. Uh, we want to equip you. A lot of people, they get information and they don't know what to do with the information. They don't know how to run. They don't know how to support local candidates. They don't know how to register someone to vote. We're going to go over that. Our goal is to go over and equip you with everything you need so you don't just know, but you know how to do. Uh, and then we want to mobilize you, right? We the people, we're an army, and the only way we can save America is us. You know, not Donald Trump can't save America by himself. No one person can save America. It's up to we the people. If we're not mobilized, then they win every single time. So thanks for joining us. Like I said, the vision is to educate, equip, and mobilize we the people. My name's Trey, and with me, I got Joe. Man, Trey, I'm excited to be a part of this. And uh, just like that, to educate, equip, and to mobilize the people especially coming in as censored news, there's a lot of stuff that's just not talked about. And it's whether the other news broadcasters can't speak about it, they're told they can't talk about it, or they just don't know. And so really coming in from a grassroots um, broadcasting and sharing the things with the people that we see, we see going on that are actually going to be informative to the people to help them make the right decision when they get to the ballot. And, and I'm excited to be a part of that. Thanks for having me. And, and let's dive in. Like we got some, we got some game stuff today that I think is just going to be really informative to everyone. Yeah, you're right, Joe. Yeah, let's just dive in. So the next few episodes, what we're going to do is we're actually just going to go straight into the Twitter files. So I'm sure as everybody knows, Elon Musk has bought Twitter. He has taken over. He has gutted pretty much 90% of the workforce, and now he's spilling the beans on everything uh, from censorship to the decision to ban President Trump to now he's even teasing uh, outing Dr. Fauci and what how the government had a hand in censoring life-saving information during the pandemic. So we're going to go straight into that. Uh, me and Joe are live here in the studio, so if you hear pauses in between, don't worry. Uh, we're just having some mic issues we're working through. Uh, but just thanks for joining again. Uh, and let's get into it. I'm going to read the first few, and then I'm going to pass it off to Joe, and we're just going to kind of talk about it for a second. So if you go onto Twitter, you can look and see Elon Musk has uh, retweeted a couple journalists. The first one is Matt Talbibi. Talbi. Tybibi. Tybi. Matt Tybee, <laughs> Matt Tybee, a journalist. And so he's teamed up with him and another lady. And basically what they're doing is they're sifting through all the communications, internal communications, um, decisions that were made, documents, everything they have um, about Twitter's decisions the last couple years. And so I'll start it like this. They, they've released it in five parts, and he says there will be more parts. What he's doing is he's building – the story and laying out the story 
of what's actually been going on inside Twitter for the last few years. Um, these first couple, this first episode today, we're just going to go over the first two parts about the lead up to full on censorship of conservative voices and Trump supporters and how they went about doing that. So, uh, Joe, why don't you just start us go, start us off with these first few, uh, and then we'll talk about talk about it and kind of dive in a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Trey. You know, I was just thinking when Elon started the whole process of thinking about buying Twitter, you know, when he even bought, was it over 13% of the stock to where he had, he had a say or, or the point to where he was allowed to be on the board, you know, was he thinking, and then when the, when the, when the transaction went to actually purchase it, was he thinking, you know, I'm going to expose some of these things or was he just thinking a business move? You know, like what, what, what is going on in his mind in that transaction? Yeah, I think the whole, because leading up to it, you got to remember, he was saying, we don't have free speech anymore. This is attack on free speech. Um, again, me and Joe, we were talking about this before the episode. We never don't really know what to think about Elon Musk. There's a lot of stuff I love about him. There's a lot of stuff I don't love about him. One thing I don't love about him is putting the chips in the brains, the Neuralinks. <laughs> don't like that. If you've opened up the Bible, you know that <laughs> that doesn't lead to anything good. But I will say this, and we did say this. Elon Musk has done more for free speech in the United States since he's bought Twitter than any Republican has in the last 30 years. And that's just a fact. Look at Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy. None of these people, the quote-unquote leadership of the GOP, they were all silent when Trump got banned. They were all silent throughout the entire Trump uh, administration as conservatives were being uh, censored. The only one who stood up and said something was Trump. Nobody else was saying anything about it, you know. Uh, and so I'll say we can we can trust them in certain areas, you know, and maybe kind of watch them on the others. But like I said, I believe he's done more for uh, free speech than any Republican has. And so I do think that this was strategic in buying Twitter, and I think this was the plan was to expose what's going on because if you look at it his tweets he tweeted today my pronouns are prosecute slash fauci so he has very clear motives going on here you know and you don't he, he's the richest man in the world and he's calling for the prosecution of fauci which we all are too but that kind of tells you you know he has the evidence so i i think he's good i think we can err on the side of he's he's a good guy um and we should watch kind of what he's doing but yeah dive into this and yeah dive into this I, yeah, I like that. I think it is literally just watching on one side uh, going, okay, let's see what he does. This is good. This is really good for conservatives. But also having your guard up and being like, okay, um, just because he's purchased it and he's moving it more conservative, allowing more conservative voices doesn't necessarily mean I need to put all the eggs in the basket of this is going to be the conservative lifesaver. So diving into the the files and I and and I'm just reading this in in what they have posted with the journalist in and uh, telling the story. The Twitter files tell an incredible story from inside one of the world's largest and most influential social media platforms. It is a Frankenstein tale of a human built mechanism grown out of the control of its designer, Jack Dorsey. <laughs> 
Twitter in its conception was a brilliant tool for enabling instant mass communication, making a true real-time global conversation possible for the first time. In its early conception, Twitter more than lived up to its mission statement, giving people the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. I think this is huge, Trey. Like when when you have a guy like Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, the the founders of Google, YouTube, when they're starting these businesses, a lot of them are high school, are are high school college roommates. And they're starting a business because they're in business class and they want to start a business. And so I don't think they start it with the intention of turning it into something, something to be used for, for bad. And, and I don't think they start it with the intent of going, yeah, I'm going to get into it and I'm going to create this platform to start to rig elections. I don't think that's where it went, but when it gets built to a place, as they say, someone in black suits met up with them and said, Hey, what can we do with this? on as time progressed however the company was slowly forced to add those barriers some of the first tools for controlling speech were designed to combat the likes of spam and financial fraudsters so it's an honest legit thing you're running a business you want to you want to uh, create ways to combat the spam and the financial fraudsters it's also you know it's legit things that you would do in growing a company like that Slowly over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tools. Huh, sounds familiar. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech for a little than more often than constantly. By 2020, requests from the connected actors. I just want to dive in there, Trey, is who requested it? Who were the requesters? Yeah, I wanted to stop you right there too. Does that sound like anything? Dot, 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 lobbying. Sounds exactly like what, and we'll get into lobbying. We'll have a whole episode. We might even have a whole month of us just going through and exposing all the lobbyists in, in the government. But that's exactly what lobbying is in the government. You have all these people that go in with good intentions. I'm going to change America. We're going to change the world. This is going to be a great place. And then all of a sudden, a guy with a $100,000 check shows up and says, hey, I need you to vote this way. And that's exactly what Twitter did. Twitter started as the town hall, right, of America, of the world, whatever. It started off as the town hall, and it got bigger, and there's more users. And so naturally... We are seeing, we have seen lobbyists the same way they do with the government come in and now they're dictating or, you know, they might start off with, hey, uh, this is how they have, this is how it works. So they come in, hey, we're going to advertise. They start off as an advertiser, right? And then they grow their advertising with Twitter. Now you have a company that is advertising millions and millions worth of dollars on Twitter per year. And so now they have, a little bit of hold on Jack and, and the, the, the board, right? So now you're at a place where they're spending hundreds of million dollars a year. They come in and they're like, hey, uh, I think you should trend this. I think you should help help our company trend this. So now you have people, now you have Twitter manipulating trends. Then you have, hey, uh, our competitor is is on here. And then it starts slowly, right? They start by censoring competitors. 
and then now it's i mean we've seen it the last since trump took over really and, and we know all these companies how do you say shadow you know they seem like they're great in the in the in the forefront but then in the shadow in the back you know at the highest levels they all are super politically motive motivated they have their own agendas things like that and so now you start to see that come forth and that's what these are about you know is now you have these outsiders these companies saying hey uh we don't really like this these far left companies hey we don't like what these maga supporters are saying we don't like what these conservatives are saying we need you to start banning them or we need to start we need you to start helping uh blacklist them a little bit or shadow ban them right let's get their viewership down because we don't like that that doesn't align with us and what this what these twitters will show is that this moved from just a company companies doing this to our own government was doing this so i'll pick up on uh this next one by 2020 requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine one executive would write to another more to review from the biden team the reply would come back handled Celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the be at the behest of a political party. So they have a screenshot here, and it's an email, and it says, "Hey, I grabbed the first under SI defer to safety on high profile. Second one, an additional report from the DNC." So right here, we have proof that the Biden administration or the Biden can uh, campaign and uh, the DNC were actually asking Twitter to censor stuff. Uh, so, 10, uh, both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, the system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation. There were more channels, more ways to complain, open to the left. Well, the Democrats than the right. So you look here, uh, contribution by party of recipient. So in 2020, 99.73% of all donations of Twitter employees were to Democrats. That's a lot, right? And you can find all these at Open Secrets. If you don't know what Open Secrets is, go to Open Secrets. It shows, it shows uh, who companies donate to, political parties where they get their money. All this stuff. Okay, so now we so now they've painted a picture. Twitter started as free speech, started as this is supposed to be the town hall, uh, the town hall square, the town square, whatever you want to call it, and it slowly progressed into the propaganda arm of the DNC. So the resulting slant and content moderation decisions is visible in the documents you're about to read. However, it's also the assessment of multiple current and former high-level executives. Okay, there were more throat clearing about the process, but screw it, let's jump forward. The Twitter Files Part 1, how and why Twitter blocked the Hunter Biden laptop story. Here, Joe, you take it. I think that's big. <laughs> There's a lot in the Hunter Biden laptop story. And, you know, in Twitter, you know, was was it coming from people that knew, like some of Hunter Biden's local, like inner group? People that were sharing stuff, you know, people within the Biden administration that were sharing things, you know, we're going to find out what was being hidden and and who needs to be held accountable for it. On October 14, 2020, the New York Post published Biden secret emails and exposed 
an expose based on the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. Warnings that it may be unsafe. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool hitherto reserved for extreme cases, for example, child pornography. White House spokesperson Kaylee McEnany was locked out of her account for tweeting about the story, promoting a furious letter from Trump campaign staffer Mike Hahn, who seed at least pretend to care for the next 20 days. We got written right under here an email from Mike Hahn to Twitter. Katie McEnany has been locked out of from her account for simply talking about the New York Post story. All she did was cite the story firsthand and firsthand reporting that has been reported by other outlets and not disputed by the Biden campaign. I need an answer immediately of when and how she on when and how she will be unlocked. I also don't appreciate how nobody on this team called me regarding the, the news that you'll be censoring news articles. Like I said, at least pretend to care for the next 20 days. <laughs> They're just getting right into, you know, as the whole team. And there's so much, I'll, I'll just say this outside of it, is that there's so much even in culture. Like you can turn culture so fast. And when we're looking at the donations, Back within Twitter, you see 2018, 96.38% gave to Democrats. 2020, 98.47%. And by 2022, 99.73%. One of two things. The culture was changing or they were firing the people that voted conservatively saying, no, we don't want you in these positions or no, we don't want you in this company. So it was changing. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's – I would like to see more – go back a little bit more. Well, maybe in the next episode we'll pull up at more donations from the last few years before that and see kind of how that was changing. I'm leaning, I'm, I'm leaning towards they were probably starting to oust conservatives or conservatives were leaving Twitter because of how radical the culture was becoming. But back to this, the Hunter Biden story, and th you know, this is we'll get to the, we'll get through this whole thing. But I want to say this: this was election interference at the highest levels. You had a candidate, Joe Biden, his crackhead son, left his laptop at a laptop repair shop, left it there, never came and got it, and so we get access to all these emails, everything. The guy, the laptop repairman, turned it into the FBI. The FBI had it for nine months. Never did anything with it. Finally, the Trump administration got a hold of it, and the New York Post got a hold of it, and that's why it came out. And so what did they do? The Im immediately, as soon as they released it, th they censored it. And why did they censor it? Well, they censored it because it showed crimes of the highest level, crimes constituting treason on this laptop. You're seeing him sell access to his dad when his dad was VP. You're seeing uh, videos of him doing crack off of strippers' buttholes. You're seeing all this stuff. You're seeing illegal weapons. You're seeing uh, Joe Biden. Oh, I, d I had no idea what my son was doing. I don't know anything. That my That's Russian dis uh, disinformation. That's all Russia, Russia, Russia. We're seeing all that, but in the emails, we're seeing Joe was the one facilitating it. Do we not remember 10% to the big guy, right? Joe was getting a cut illegally from Ukraine, 
from China, from Russia, all these oil companies, all these governments, Joe Biden was getting a cut of it. And they exposed that. And the minute they exposed it, what did Twitter do? They colluded with Biden. They colluded with the DNC, the Democrats, and they immediately shut down the story. So you got to remember, they actually deleted the New York Post and locked their account for a couple days before the huge outrage. Then they unblocked the New York Post, and they they still didn't let them. Anybody who would post the story were getting banned or getting temporary suspensions, right? They were getting censored. So this was all a coordinated effort to to shut this down because we were 20 days out from the election. And this would – and if you look at the polls, what was it? Over 40 percent of Democrats said this would have swung their vote in 2020, and they would not have voted for Joe Biden had they known about the laptop, right, the laptop from hell. So let's jump into it. Strom's note returned the, uh, returned the answer that the laptop story had been removed for violation of the company's quote-unquote hacked material policy, which we know is BS because nothing was hacked. This crackhead left his – I keep calling him a crackhead. Sorry. If you like Hunter Biden out there, sorry. But this crackhead left his la- – who leaves their laptop that they know the videos? Even normal people, if I drop my laptop off – my laptop has my entire life on it. You can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to show back up and get my laptop. I am. I'm not going to dump it and just leave it there. It has in my, my entire life. And you would think someone like Hunter Biden, whose dad was the VP, whose dad is running for president, would go back and pick up his laptop. But he never did. He abandoned it, and per the per the agreement he signed when he dropped it off, abandoned, abandoned stuff becomes basically the store's property. Right there's there's an abandonment clause or whatever, so there wasn't hacked. Um, so go back to it. Although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that that summer about possible foreign hacks, there was no evidence of any government involvement in the laptop story. In fact, there in fact that might have been the problem. The decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey, with former head of legal policy and trust. Vijaya, Vijaya, <laughs> Gad playing a key, playing a key role. Uh, they just freelanced it. Is how one former employee characterized the decision. Hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone realized that wasn't going to hold. But no one had the guts to reverse it. You can see the confusion in the following lengthy, lengthy exchange, which ends up including Gad and former Trust and Safety Chief Yoel Roth. Comms official Trenton Kennedy writes, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marketing this as unsafe. By this point, everyone knew this was effed, said one former employee, but the response was essentially to err on the side of dot 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 continuing to err. Former VP of Global Comms Brandon Borman asked, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? To which former Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker again seemed to advise staying the non-course because caution is warranted, quote. A fundamental problem with tech companies and content moderation, many people in charge of speech know slash care little about speech and have to be told the basics by outsiders. To wit, in one humorous exchange on day one, Democrat Congressman Ro Khanna reaches out to Gad to gently suggest she hop on the phone to talk about the backlash free speech. Khan was the only Democrat official I could find in the files who expressed concern. So that's even more concerning. That out of 
the whole entire Democratic Party, there was only one Democratic rep that reached out to Twitter to say, hey, what's going on here? This doesn't seem right, right? So Gad replies quickly, immediately diving into the weeds of the Twitter policy, unaware Khan is more worried about the Bill of Rights. Khan tries to reroute the conversation to the First Amendment, mention of which is generally hard to find in the files. Within a day, head of public policy Lauren Culbertson receives a ghastly letter slash report of the research firm NetChoice, which had already polled 12 members of Congress, nine Republicans and three Democrats, from the Judiciary Committee to rep Judy Cho's, uh, Cho's office. Uh, this is what it said. It said, Lauren, yesterday NetChoice's Chris met informally with nine Republicans and three Democrat House staffers to gather intel about Facebook and Twitter and the New York Post stories. The staffers hail from the House Judiciary Committee to Rep. Judy Chu's office. Net Choice lets Twitter know a bloodbath awaits in the upcoming Hill, Hill hearings with members saying it's a tipping point, complaining tech has grown so big they can't even regulate themselves, so government may need to intervene. And so this is another problem. Not just them censoring, but that the fact that now the government – this is just an excuse for now the government to come in and regulate tech companies, right? Regulate these social media companies, right? I'm all for it. Joe knows it. Joe's for it. The smaller the government, the better. And what did Twitter do? Not only did Twitter stifle free speech, but they gave our government on a silver platter an excuse to come in and start regulating social media companies which long-term effect will be way worse than this and we know how bad this is the worst thing this is the worst fraud instance of fraud or election interference that our country has ever seen that we know of and yet handing the government this excuse to get in on it and regulate it i think is a is even bigger than that because we might come in today, the Republicans might come in today or January and fix it, right? But what's to say in four years if the Democrats win and they get back in power again that they don't just turn around and reverse it and then start stifling speech again, you know, even even on a larger scale than what it was before, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I was, I was just going back to um, when the decision was made. Uh, to start canceling some of the stuff. They said the, the decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey. So it's always like, you know, you just think in, in, your, in your marriage with you and your wife, it's like you have to guard it so carefully because someone might come in to try to destroy it, you know, on one side of the marriage. But just thinking in the company and someone trying to come in under Jack because – Maybe Jack, and I'm not saying this as fact, but maybe Jack wasn't all for it. And so someone had to come in to his head of legal because they knew the head of legal, which it says right here, the head of legal was the, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but the head of legal maybe swung a little more democratic and censorship than Jack Dorsey did. But even going to the Hunter Biden Hunter Biden thing, I'm thinking a guy on crack. Okay, you got a guy on crack. A lot of times they can't even remember where they're at 
what city they're in, you know? Like, I've seen guys flipping out on the side of the road before. You, you, they have no idea. So you think of a guy on crack dropping his laptop off. He is loopy in the head. He's got no idea what's going on. And so then for that story to be uncovered is just like, well, duh, you know? You did the just the absolute bonehead move, and and now we recover it. And so they had to jump fast. And they said there that this is a turning point in in the election. And so someone had to get a part of it. Uh, Twitter had to be a part of it. Otherwise, you would have had so many more Democrats voting Republican, and they still wouldn't have been able to uh, to win with cheating. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And just to point out, if we scroll down a little bit, it says an amazing subplot of this is just to go back to your point, an amazing subplot of the Twitter Hunter Biden laptop affair was how much was done without the knowledge of Jack Dorsey and how long it took for the situation to get, quote unquote, unf as one employee puts it, even after Dorsey jumped in, which is crazy because Jack Dorsey might not have been involved at the beginning, but I think we'll see in the upcoming files that he eventually was involved how much he knew, when he knew it, and how he tried to CYA, you know? Um, so let's just – there's a couple more. We were going to go through a couple of the Twitter files. I think we should probably just break it up and do next episode, go over the second one. We're 30 minutes in, you know? Uh, this, these are actually a lot more than – there's a lot here to decipher, you know? So we don't want to overload you, but let's just go back and finish it up. Um so Twitter files continued, the First Amendment isn't absolute. That was a letter from a Democratic lawmaker. That was their attitude. And they, the Democrats said they wanted more moderation and asked for the Bill of Rights. It is not absolute. Now that is very, very – that's chilling to hear an elected official come out and say the Bill of Rights – the First Amendment is not absolute, but you know what? We've have we've been hearing that. What has Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, Bernie Sanders, all these leftists? What have they been saying for three, four years? The Second Amendment isn't absolute. The Second Amendment can be changed. They've been saying this right over and over and over. They've been saying it, and now they're finally saying it about free speech, which we knew that they were already. We knew that's what they believed, right? Uh, and I'll do this, say this as a side note. It's funny how Trump baited them into defending the Constitution last week whenever he put on True Social that a fraud of this magnitude uh, basically suspends all the rules, regulation, laws, and even the Constitution itself. That's what he said. So he baited them. What he meant was when you have a when you have fraud of this size, what that fraud does is it suspends all these laws it gets rid of, it throws the constitution out the window that's what the fraud does he wasn't saying we need to suspend it he wasn't saying we need to throw out the constitution what that that's not what he's saying he was saying the fraud when the fraud of this magnitude happens what it does is it's saying the constitution is an absolute the constitution can be thrown out the window that's what he's saying but it's funny because he posted that now you have every single democrat the last week saying the constitution is the foundation of this country blah 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 but right here we see their emails to twitter saying that constitution is not absolute so they've been attacking our constitution for years right so um 
There are multiple. So just continue. There, we're almost done here with this one. There are multiple instances in the files of Dorsey intervening to question suspensions and other moderation actions for accounts across the political spectrum. The problem with the quote hacked materials ruling, several sources said, was that this was normally that this normally required an official slash law enforcement finding of a hack. But such a finding never appears throughout what one executive describes as a whirlwind 24-hour company-wide mess. It's been a whirlwind 96 hours. There's been, there is much more to come, including answers to questions about issues like shadow banning, boosting, follower account, the fate of various individual accounts, and more. These issues are not limited to the political right. Uh, and then he ends it, good night, everybody. Thanks for those blah, blah, whatever. So that ends uh, Twitter Files Part 1. So what did we see here? We see Elon Musk laying out the foundation of what was actually going on. So we can actually see what kicked off this whole thing. So we already knew censorship and shadow banning was happening, right? But we didn't know what level it was. And with the Hunter Biden laptop, the laptop from hell, the minute they banned it and censored it and banned it from their site, that I, that is what he's saying is the kickoff to – I mean uh, that was the first domino, and then all of a sudden now we're at you know the president was banned. So I think he's he, – so what he's doing is he's setting up the story, right? And then the next Twitter files, we're going to actually see, oh, they saw that they could get away with the laptop. Now they're going to start pushing the limit and see what they can get away with. You know, uh, shutting down dissenting voices, voices who don't agree with the regime, voices who don't agree with uh, the swamp. And I'll just tell you this. I was permanently banned from Twitter in 2015. I got permanently banned in 2015 and did not get my Twitter account back until Elon Musk took over. That's when I got mine back. So. Wow, that's something, Trace. You got you just got your Twitter, you just got your Twitter back. So Elon Musk has seen your name, and uh, <laughs> you've been in the uh, you've been in the inner, inner circle. That's awesome. You know, I was thinking the Elon Musk. You know, like is he hiding things from us? Is there anything in this story? Is he giving us everything, or is there stuff that he's still hiding? Hmm. I guess we'll just have to see. He says he's going to be as tra transparent as possible. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, you know, but I, I don't think he'll dump everything out at once because he's not. He's he's laying out the story. I don't think the – I think you got to think about it like what Trump has been doing, right? Awakening the masses. When you awake the masses, you can't dump everything on them all at once. So you can't – so let's say – what do you call them? Like normies. You're a normie. You're a normal person. You're a normal conservative. You voted for Bush. You don't know anything. I come up to you and I start saying, hey, yeah, adrenochrome. They're torturing kids, raping little kids, and, and, and drinking adrenochrome and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what they're doing, right? That is a lot of information to take in. The average person can't take that in, and that's when, if you know in 2018, when a lot of people started catching on to that. It was easy to label that as conspiracy theories and label you as a conspiracy theorist for believing that because the masses – there was no basis for that whatsoever. There was absolutely no basis for adrenochrome. There was no basis for 
uh, human trafficking rings. There was no basis for that, right? So it was easy to follow the narrative. Oh, these people are crazy. Now you go and you talk to a quote-unquote normal person and you bring that up. That's more believable. Why? Because look what Trump's been doing and look what look what look what's been happening the last few years. Jeffrey Epstein's island started off as a conspiracy theory. It started trickling in. Now we have Gillian Maxwell rotting in prison, right? Now we have a judge about to unseal who was there. So now look, we had a Harvey Weinstein, right? We have the Nixon, right? All these sex rings, these human trafficking rings, right? We have all these now. So now when you go up to them and you explain that stuff, because there has been, I guess, kind of like a bread trail leading up to it, I believe the next part that's going to drop is we are going to find out who was going to his island, who was torturing these children, right, and who was doing uh, doing adrenochrome and stuff. But anyways, I said all that to say this. That's what Elon Musk is doing. If he just dumped everything out in one night, one, most people wouldn't sift through it and read the whole thing. Nobody would. They would not go through it. Most people would be like, ah, they'd get halfway through or not even halfway through. They'd get through section one and be like, okay, yeah, they censored people, right? But what he's doing is I think he's leading up to the more heinous crimes, the more disgusting things that went on with Twitter. Because if you notice, he's tweeted about child pornography on Twitter and how it was running rampant. He is now – he actually – Yoel Roth, who was the head of the trust and safety at Twitter, right? Elon Musk tweeted today an old tweet, uh, basically uh, basically of Yoel. He tweeted in favor of uh, pedophilia. Um, he tweeted Yoel's uh, PhD dissertation paper that he did on the gay – website grinder the gay hookup app or website grinder he did his whole paper on why he believes teenage boys should be allowed on a gay men hookup website and so you have you have uh elon musk tweeting about that stuff now and now it's leading up to it so now he laid the breadcrumbs you know he laid that uh he the hunter biden story so now people are like undeniable evidence that was real next one he was he was they were banning conservatives Undeniable evidence. There it is. Banning Trump. We're going to get into that too about how there was no basis for Trump and how it was all trying to shut him up and how they spent four years trying to figure out how to get him banned. Now he's going to go and he's going to expose Dr. Fauci and the next Twitter files that are going to be dropped are going to be about COVID and how they withheld and censored ivermectin and hydrochloroquine and things like that. Um, so we're going to see all that. So I don't remember what the main question was, but I, I think he's leading up to it. And I think that's what it is. You know, he's dropping breadcrumbs and he can't drop it all at once. So is he, oh, it was with, is he withholding information? I, yes, he is, but he's not, I don't believe he's withholding information to be sinister. I think he is being strategic about how he drops stuff. And as of now, so far, he has, um, he stayed to his word that he was going to drop stuff and he was going to he was going to be as transparent as possible. So as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, I think he is going to awake masses of people like we haven't seen, right? And 2022 did that, 2020 did that. Trump's four years have done that and I think I think Elon Musk is just going to be the icing on top. He's going to he's going to wake these people that you know they didn't believe that the election was rigged. They didn't believe 22 was rigged, but they were kind of sus suspect about it. But now this is going to be all the evidence we need 
to get those people over, you know? Yeah, I love that. You know, I, I think Aziz, that you, you explained it well, is, is that where he's just dropping the little hints, keeping the people entertained, and that if you did just give everyone the information all at once, you know, people are going to sift through the first two paragraphs and go, ah, oh, yeah, I kind of get the gist of it, is that Elon's exposing stuff. But they wouldn't really hear what he's exposing, and so that's what he wants to get out to the people. You also wonder, though, is Elon just wanting to be transparent with the people and just get the information out or Elon has a plan. Like if you think in everything that Elon, everything that Elon um, creates, the boring company, Neuralink or Neutralink and Tesla, um, SpaceX, all these things, Elon has a, has a plan. Starlink. I don't think he's just creating things. He's thinking how all these things can work together. And so is there anything in Elon where he's going, okay, I do want to get a more, and he's tweeted before, I do want to get a more balanced conversation in the town square where people from both sides can talk. Or is he wanting to swing it a little more right? You know, like I would love, I'm a conservative. I would love for it to be swung a little bit more right. But I think Elon's just kind of a neutral guy in going, hey, I just want a town square where people can come and visit. They can interact. They can have diverse opinions. They can debate fiercely and go home. And we're still called the United States of America. Like, I really think that's his heart. And especially coming um, uh coming to America and just doing all the things that he has done, the guy's seen a lot. And I don't think he's out there to prove anything. I don't think he's out there to uh, become someone. He just wants to see the betterment of society. Yeah, I agree. And that's a great place to stop for the night. Elon Musk, American Patriot, or Rhino in disguise. We don't know, but we will know. So join us next time on Censored News. Uh, This has been Trey and Joe. Y'all have a good night.